better than this. Guys, me and dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this live Takes on Takes episode of the show. It's Monday night. We're Tuesday in your podcast feed. Kyle is sipping either tea or whiskey. No, it's not tea. Well, then it's whiskey. Little clink. Here we go. Welcome, sir. Old Forester 1920. Wow, breaking out the good stuff for takes on takes. For the folks at home, that's right. Here to bring my A-game. Hear that. All right. So I got one in the hopper that I want to give you to start. Okay, very good. Is it from somebody on in the chat? or Oh, it's from Twitter. Okay, great. It's from Twitter. Came 36 minutes ago. And it says, from Jake, he goes, I would rather have prime Dan Marino than prime Drew Brees. I mean, Dan's got better traits, right? Yeah. So I don't think that's, I don't actually don't think that's hot at all. No. Dan played on a team with trash defenses after 1988. They lost Dwight Stevenson in the height of a Hall of Fame career because the Jets chopped him down from behind on an interception and blew out every ligament in his knee. And they passed the ball. You know what I did watch the other day? I watched the uh, 85 Bears Dolphins game. Yeah. And I didn't realize, well, uh, I'm watching this game and they're talking about how the Dolphins, uh, they were eight and four at the time playing the undefeated 12 and 0 Bears on Monday Night Football. Somewhere in the the comments, Paige Demacos is probably losing her minds right now talking about the 85 Bears on this show, but the Dolphins won the game. Um, They talked about how the Dolphins would get out to these leads and they couldn't hold them. And I'm watching them play the 85 Bears. And they're up 21 points in the fourth in the third quarter of this game, and they're coming out gunning first, second, and third down, three and outs. And it's like, well, gee whiz, I wonder why you can't <laughs> hold any. But like, that's the double-edged sword of playing with Dan Marino in that era, right? Yeah, I want to see Dan Marino, Dan Marino in today's NFL, and see what type of shredding he does. It would be fun. All right, well, I want to get that out of the way. Go ahead, serve him up, Kyle. Oh, like we got one here on the screen here. I'm waiting for you to. Oh, no, no one cares, Paige. Well, Paige says we won the Super Bowl, though. You know, why does <laughs> oh, what does J Rod have? He's a Panthers fan. What does he care about this discussion? Yeah, I don't think he's got any horse in the race, does he? I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't mess with Paige. He's one of the three people I'm afraid of on the earth. So, all right, here one, Charlie. Charlie Gross, take. Pat Mahomes will win more MVPs than Josh Allen, but Josh Allen will win more Super Bowls than Patrick Mahomes. Joe, you'd probably just kill for a playoff dub. Yeah, I'd like one of those first. Haven't haven't happened since 95. <laughs> it was funny on Lockdown Bills, I got a question about how many playoff wins I think Sean McDermott will have over the next six years because he signed through 2025 now. Right. And the guy said, you know, do you, do you think it could be between five and seven? And I'm like, Let's go. Let's look at Mike Tomlin, right? Mike Tomlin's been the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers since 2007. He's never had a losing record. He has had been uh, Big Ben, right? The guy's got eight playoff wins, and he's been to the Super Bowl twice. You know, playoff wins just don't happen, right? I mean, like it's they're pretty rare. Um, and Pat Mahomes already has an MVP and a Super Bowl, and I mean, so Josh would have to win two Super Bowls to get to have more than Pat, right? So you're talking a minimum of six playoff wins for two Super Bowls. Right. 
I don't know, man. I'm not, that's unprecedented territory. I'm not ready to, to agree with that. You see one of these? You got a name here from a take you want to give me? Um, I have my, my bullpen here. Okay, well, give me another bullpen. All right, here we go. What about, did we got an email question? You have that no, one? No, it's, it's, it's a save for a would you rather. Don't, don't oh, okay. This one comes from the Sports Nut. He says, I have a spicy take that I want to give you guys. I take, like if Teddy Bridgewater looks promising under Joe Brady, the Panthers should at least consider Penny Sewell, the Oregon left tackle, considering the state of their left tackle position. Remember, Russell Ogung, he had the blood clocks last year, missed the season, thought about opting out, and then he left practice early today with a trainer, didn't return, and nobody knows why. This is not a bullpen question. I have it right here on the screen. Well, it's both a bullpen. <laughs> this is very confusing. I have it on Twitter. It came through three hours ago, and it's also on the screen. All right. He so. wanted to take given. Yeah. Define promising. I think that's Joe. How promising does Teddy like? Teddy's got to get you five hundred plus this year. Yeah, and I know wins aren't a quarterback stat, but like thirty-seven percent. That's the, that's the level. Bruce exclusive, right? What he, he's on the math item for for hours. Thirty-seven percent of quarterback stat. It's not a true, tried and true, clear cut quarterback statistic but that's the level of play you would probably have to see from teddy to get them to that point when you take into consideration what the rest of this roster looks like how bad the secondary projects to be i say projects because they still play the games but like unless i'm carolina and i'm not in a position to take a quarterback because teddy plays that well yeah i'm taking one there's there is such a if I could ever have one problem as an NFL head coach or general manager, it would be having too many good quarterbacks on my roster. If you don't have, if you have two, then you don't have one. You know what I mean? You've heard that before. Yeah, but it's different. If one's Trump, one of them's Trevor Lawrence. Right. Rockauto.com is a family business. That's been providing auto parts customers with high quality service online. For the last 20 years, whether you're looking for brake parts, engine control modules, new carpet, motor oil, or taillights, rockauto.com has everything you need in one easy-to-navigate catalog. And in just a few clicks, you can get everything you need delivered directly to your front door. And best of all, prices are the same at rockauto.com. So whether you're a professional or a do-it-yourselfer, you're going to spend exactly the same amount. Why would you shop anywhere else and spend up to twice as much for the same part. So visit rockauto.com today for all of your auto parts needs and make sure you write in locked on in their how did you hear about us box. Amazing selection, reliably low prices and all of the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Okay. Uh let's see. Let's get some non AFC East takes in here. Um, well, shoot. There, here you go. There's one from our good friend Tehran. Tehran is a good friend. He's the man. Covers the Titans up at ESPN. And uh, anytime we get a chance to talk ball with Tehran, it's a blast. So, Joe, Tehran wants to know your take on Jeffrey Simmons, the defensive tackle, who prompted in some part. The movement of Jarrell Casey, which you've been very upset about. 
imagine the takes on takes episode where we don't get don't talk about Jarrell, the Titans trading Jarrell Casey. Yeah, I, look, I think Jeffrey Simmons is outstanding. The only reason he wasn't a a sure top ten pick last year was because of the ACL tear. And credit to Tennessee, they got this guy ready to play much sooner than I anticipated he would be available and played well. Really flashy playmaker. Uh, in really unusual circumstances where you know, even though he was healthy, he didn't have the same preparations for that rookie season, but still came in, had an impact, showed enough for that team to move on from Jarrell Casey. And I think that he's a do-everything type guy up front. He's an explosive pass rusher. He's stout against the run. I mean, he he has the makeup of being a high-caliber, playmaking defensive tackle for, for years to come. And so, you know, him sliding down the board because of that ACL tear wound up being, I think, something that we'll look back on and give Tennessee a lot of credit for pulling the trigger and getting a, a big-time impact playmaker. Tehran is here to report that he had a all-capital letters day at practice today, yeah. which should be to the surprise of absolutely no way, which is crazy, right? Because, like, even his turnaround time from the AS- ACL was, like, freakishly short. It was, right. like, seven months, and he was back, and he looked explosive. Yeah, that's how you know you got a, like a really special athlete, yeah. right? In that you you are that explosive with that short of a recovery time from an injury that typically really saps you of twitch and quick twitch. You know, you can get back to functionality in a short time, short period of time, and relatively close to full range of motion. But that power and explosiveness, no, that's what makes him crazy. Um, here's a non-football take for us. Loaded nachos are superior to tacos and burritos. All the way out. That's you don't a like bad loaded thing. nachos. No, over over tacos and burritos. Here's my biggest problem with loaded nachos. How they do you choose? Well, they get soggy, but how do you choose to eat them? It's an appetizer. You, you make a mess. Yeah. It's a hot mess. No, Pass give me the tacos and burritos. It's literally like just a better version of that, but like organized and you can have variety with the flavor. Jets take. Sam Darnold is good, but Jets D regresses, goes six and ten. Adam Gase is gone. Rams go four and twelve. Jared Goff is a disaster in salary cap hell. No draft picks. McVay wants out. Jets trade a Seattle first for McVay. This is an all-time galaxy brain scenario. It's not gonna happen, but wow. Um First of all, I think if the Jets go six and ten, they would overachieve. Yes, we we are down That's on an this roster. Uh, I know Michael Christopher gave us a take that basically was wanting us to really justify our take that the Jets go three and thirteen, and you know talked about how the offensive line is better and that defensively it's improved because they got cornerbacks now and Chris Herndon's back. But I think they the leadership. I don't. Got, I don't agree. Pierre the seer. Right, maybe sign an extension, and the Colts got rid of him after one year. Correct. So, look, I I'm not you high on that room. Corners. Right, but you don't have is, pass rush. This is what Michael's saying. This was a top ten. You defense lost your last best year. safety and defensive back. You Understood. lost your best linebacker. They never had. You Mosley lost your last best year. receiver. Le'Veon Bell averaged three. Here's a fun stat. When's the last time Le'Veon Bell ran for thirty plus yards on a single rush? I don't know. 2017. 2016. Pretty sure he didn't have he hasn't had a 20 yard rush since 2017. So to to address the point here, no, I don't I don't believe in this Jets team. I think that they're 
talent is lacking this, everywhere. None of this I think they have the poor point. coaching. They have a quarterback that has a lot to prove and has not been supported. They lost their two best players on defense in Mosley and Adams. So six and ten. Six and ten. If, if the Jets go six and ten, I will be very surprised. And I yeah. I mean, it would be a if you have an, to be off turnover, turnovers and, and conservative offense. Let me ask you this. I I quote tweeted uh, I forget who it was. Tom Pelissero, I think it was. He he tweeted the Jets wide receiver depth chart. And it said, entering year three, the Jets haven't really surrounded Sam Darnold with the talent they need to make a decision on how good he is or is not as a quarterback. And I got an argument from somebody who said that they actually thought the top three wide receiver trio of Denzel Mims, Rashad Perryman, and Jamison Crowder was pretty solid. So my question for you is how many wide receiver trios in the NFL would you probably rather have than that trio of players as your top three? I mean, I don't want to go through the whole thing, but I can't think of any that I think it's better than. Okay. Right? I mean, what what trio is that better than? I mean, the Ravens, maybe. What do they have? Hollywood Brown, Miles Boykin, and Seth Roberts or something? It's Willie Sneed. Is Willie three. Sneed. I always get those two guys crossed up. Yeah. I might so take like, the Jets. I don't know. Like, But even still, they got a, a much better backfield, much deeper backfield. And, like, I don't know. We're, we're not at all concerned that, you know, for having Le'Veon Bell and wanting to hang our hats on Le'Veon Bell, the team brought in Frank Gore and LaMichael P. Ryan this year. I so here make an argument about Lev Bell being like an identity piece on your offense, averaging 3.2 yards per carry. And I get the offensive lines better, but like Lev was so good. I had this conversation uh, with, with somebody privately talking about Lev was so good because at his size, he was so patient, but then he had that explosiveness to really get into the hole, right? The dude has averaged 24 touches per game, every single game since he came into the NFL. Getting close to 30 now. Do those legs still have that same amount of life? Does he, does he? Nobody's worried about playing Le'Veon Bell. No, not one team. If that's a running back, you have to go up against. Nobody's worried about that. We done body in the Jets. Yeah, we need to. I'm gonna take on YouTube from Jake. The upcoming wide receiver class will be better than the 2014 class. I could see your producers pulling up the 2014 class for me, right? Mm-hmm. So 2014 was like Odell, Jarvis, Allen Robinson was in this class. Sammy Watkins was in this class. Um, there were some stinkers in this group too. It, and I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody obvious that's good. Yeah, so uh, 2014. Mike Evans was in this class. Sammy Watkins, Mike Evans, Odell Beckham, Brandon yeah. Cooks, Cooks Calvin Cooks. Benjamin, Mark Lee, Jordan Matthews, Paul Richardson, Devontae Adams, Allen Robinson, Jarvis Landry, John Brown. Jeez Louise. Yeah, I don't, I mean. No, it ain't going to be better than that. And this is a really good wide receiver class, but like, how are you going to bet on that many hits? Like, not even hits, but like, stud receivers. Pour one out for Kelvin Benjamin. Any of those guys play for the Jets? No, the Jets. Oh, okay. um, the Jets drafted two receivers this year: Jalen Saunders and uh, Shaq Evans. And Jalen Saunders had such fun tape, but he was like what, 170 pounds soaking wet. Yeah, 
Then they drafted Devin Smith, number 37 overall in 2015. Yeah, that one hurt. Couldn't stay 2015, healthy. pretty bad receiver year. I know that there's redeeming picks in Cooper and, and Devontae Parker now, but like overall, when you Early had picks. Kevin White, Nelson Aguilar, Brashad Perriman, Philip Dorsett is your other first round oh, receiver. about Kevin White on the podcast in Doriel Green Beckham is a bust. Devin Funches, Tyler Lockett, good pick. The Doriel Green Beckham hype was one of the weirdest, yeah, bad, weirdest hype trains I can remember. Yeah. And maybe it's because I like I wasn't plugged in as closely to like the fantasy community, and that seems to be such a big driver for some of the narratives of these wide receivers. So I don't know if Doriel Green Beckham had like some of those metrics that that the the fantasy genre likes to use in reference that stood out but like i thought he was a big fast guy that ran straight and like not like dk metcalf either <laughs> so <laughs> here's another 2020 wide receiver take joe with his time to shine presumably in 2020 and the john ross speed effect jalen waddle will not fall out of the top 10 I think we're we, buying this take. Yeah, we've we've been in on this for sure. I mean, Waddle Waddle's not just like a fast guy; like he's very good after the catch, and he's been very good vertical receiving, and he's unbelievable as a returner. Yeah, he he makes big plays. Every team wants big plays. Remember that time we stood next to each other in the stands at Brian Denny and watched him run back that punt against yeah. LSU, and we collectively lost our mind with how fast he was and how many angles he broke. I don't know if he was faster than Hollywood, who we saw live. The, the year, year before, before at, at Morgantown. Those are the two fastest human beings I've ever seen moving in a football game. Just a different plane of existence, yeah, brother. Just, <laughs> just, yeah, just move different. You want to uh, you want to dig into this take for Charlie Gross, who's been on fire thus far tonight. The Chicago Bears are the worst QB franchise historically yeah. in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's true. Who's, who's like had a... worst quarterbacks in the Bears? History. Mark Brunel. Mark Brunel is better than anything the Bears have ever had at quarterback. Paige, come back me up, please. She would kill. She would have killed for Mark Brunel at any point in the Bears history. Who's your favorite, like, bad Bears quarterback? Mine was <laughs> Rex Grossman. I want to say Rex Grossman. Um, I, need to, I need to look at the history. Bears all-time <laughs> oh, passing leaders. Jim McMahon's up there too. He's fun. So, oh, this has got to be single season. Wait, this can't be real. This can't be real. The all-time okay. leading passer in Chicago Bears history is is Jay Cutler. Yeah. What do you have? Like thirty eight hundred yards or something? Oh, like twenty three thousand yards for his career passing. Oh, twenty three thousand yards yeah. for his career. Sid Luckman, with... Jim Harbaugh, Jim McMahon, Eric Kramer, Mitch Trubisky's eighth. There you go. Hey, if Mitch Trubisky starts the entire season for the Bears and he throws for 3,500 yards, I know I'm, I'm doomed. I've doomed this segment because I'm asking you to do math. He's in the top five all time. He's in the top Bears. five yeah, all time. Because number four is 11,203. Terrific. Yeah. My favorite Bears quarterback of all time, uh, it's a tie between Kyle Orton. All right. Just oh, because... Kyle was – yeah, he was fun. What a, what a personality. This was guy's unbelievable. Like... Was he like the the Ryan Fitzpatrick before Ryan Fitzpatrick was Ryan Fitzpatrick? But like the opposite in terms of leadership. <laughs> <laughs> and then Shane Matthews, man. Shane Matthews. Go, pour one out for his days in Florida, man. He was a good player. Shane Matthews. Didn't he end up at, at the AFL? Shane? Yeah. Uh, maybe. Uh, he. I know he was went, – we was, when Spurrier went to Washington, he went there for a minute. Or am I thinking of Shane Stafford? 
I don't think Shane Matthews went there, but I I could be wrong. How about this take from Corey Kanan? This one's spicy. Spencer Brown, Northern Iowa. Best FCS offensive tackle eligible this year, not Dylan Radnews. I think we got to defer to Dre here. Dre Dre likes Radnews better than Brown. He likes them both. He does. Now, I think think when we did our summer assessments of these players, Brown came out with, I think, early day three grade, and Dylan Radnews came out with a top 50 grade. So... In having these conversations and these studies and having seen a little bit of Radins myself to watch Trey Lance, but not having done the full-on deep dive, I'm a trust Dre. Dre scouted seven years for the Chiefs. Man knows what he's talking about. He's such a joy to work with every day. I think I'd settle with Dre. Oh, man. Kyle, this is a take from Hunter. Kyle looks like a young John Malkovich in his Twitter profile. Can't change my mind. Let me look up what John yep. Malkovich looks like. No, don't look at young. Look at young. Don't look at old. You could John put Malkovich. ten people in front of me and say one of them's John Malkovich, and I couldn't tell you which one he is. Oh boy. What? Is, <laughs> geez. Are you looking at old John Malkovich? I don't know. I just typed John? in John Malkovich, and yeah, like, you got to do young John Malkovich. Oh boy, this guy Malkovich is... has an age well. Oh. oh, look who it is, Jay Reed. Jay Reed, what's up, brother? What's up, uh, man? Yeah, no, that's a good take. Okay. This guy looks a little bit like you, this young John. Very handsome. Oh, you just got to work on the aging process here, Kyle. You'll be fine. Yeah, Nakovich has not aged well. Yeah. Uh, here's one. Fritziness. We're going to chase Jordan out here real quick. The Packers have the best history of wide receivers in the NFL. I don't think so. Who am I missing here? They've had good players, but like, all-time greats? And Sterling Sharp with Favre. They had Donald Driver. They had Jordy Nelson. They had James Lofton, Hall of Famer. Yeah. Okay. Wait. Don Hudson. Antonio Freeman. Greg Jennings. Greg Jennings put the team on his back. Do you know what that's from? No, it's that video of that guy was playing Madden and Greg Jennings like broke his leg in the game when he subbed him back in and he's out there like limping and he ends up catching like a 70 yard, like touchdown catch and run. And this guy's like narrating the entire time he's playing the replay of Greg Jennings, like limping with a broken leg. It's Greg Jennings put the team on my back though. You've never seen this. Yeah. Not a clue, man. Oh Lord. This is a lot of depth, man. For like with their, with their team, they've got, Three guys with over 8,000 career receiving yards, five with over 7,000. It's pretty impressive, man. I don't know if that's normal or not, but I'm impressed with it. Uh, we have uh, we have some some clarity on the Doriel Green Beckham height, high school height. Must have been a highly recorded. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Darren Sharper. What about him? It's from the Greg Jennings video. Okay. Darren Sharp, one of the hardest hidden safeties in the league. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had a clue what you were referring to here. Uh, Seek Codon. Josh Rosen will start as many games for the Dolphins this year as Tua will. Are we assuming Tua starts one game? And I don't think Rosen throws a, plays a down for the Dolphins. You see, this year. You see that deep ball he threw today at practice. I'm, look. 
How much I didn't see it, but I, I mean I, I can only care pretty. so much about these plays. It is pretty in practice. Pretty. Yeah. I, I'm I have committed myself to not overreacting to any practice reps this year. I will not do it. I mean, I've I've paid attention to the Bills plays that I've seen come through. It's like, oh great. John Brown caught a deep pass. Stefan Diggs hit a deep pass. Like, I don't know. Like were they covered? Oh, well, uh Diggs beat Trey White. Stacked him to on the on the inside and separated, and Josh hit him for a deep one. There's a take right. from Mitch. The NFL is trending back to the running game and is already showing signs, even aside from the Tennessee Titans. This is an interesting take and, and should be an interesting conversation here. I was listening to Move the Sticks podcast. Um, Great podcast over the over the weekend. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, and they talked about how if you can if you can just run the football, you know, well above average and you can stop the run, you can get to nine wins. That's your ceiling. You need the other stuff to double digits. Yeah. 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 So So, I think it's a winning formula, but it's, it's somewhat capped. So let me ask you this. Do you agree with the concept that the NFL is trending back to the running game? No. I think the NFL is trending to more option-oriented offenses. Right. Binary reads, and that could that could mean that could mean more involvement of of the quarterback in the running game. I think that's an element that matters. But I even think it extends beyond that. I, I think about have you ever watched the Doug Peterson NFL Game Pass session? Uh, no. He talks about RPOs. And he talks about the way that they've structured their RPOs. And um, there's always a very basic box count formula. And this was, I think, after the 2017 season. But it's pretty much you get a box count beforehand. And it's pretty standard RPO stuff. You got a numbers advantage in the box, you give the ball. If they stuff the box, then you look to that outside linebacker slash safety, whoever's on the hash. You look to put them in conflict, you know, you run a bubble slant. Philly like to run bubble slant off of it, and uh, they just read the flats. Uh, I, I think that you always – you're always, they always say take what the defense gives you. And if you run RPOs, and Philly ran RPOs on over 30% of their pass attempts last year, if you constantly run RPOs, you are constantly giving yourself even more frequency and opportunity to take what the defense is giving you. Will that result, based on the, the trends in spacing the field in more runs? Maybe, but I don't think it is strictly a matter of everybody is going to beef up their offensive lines, they're going to try and run in between the tackles, and they're going to challenge you. Mitch's evidence is five of the top six uh teams in the NFL and rushing made the playoffs last yeah it's those are volume stats I I mean you run more you run more because you're winning the game right right I would like to know yards per carry or I or yeah there's got to be better a better metric to to tie that in we have to recognize Rahul Uh, he's one of our euro friends yeah he's up late (laughs) and he's up late to get this take in so we, we got to acknowledge him. A top-tier safety is more important and provides better positional value than a top-tier cornerback. I disagree. 
Yeah, I, I disagree as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I and I respect safeties. I think that their value in the NFL is higher than ever. I, I think linebackers and safeties are on the uptick, but you get a guy that you could play in man coverage. You can play combo coverages. You can do play man on one side of the field zone on the other bracket routes, roll coverage away. I don't know. I don't know that a safety gives you a really good one high safety allows you to have more underneath defenders, right. which matters. And that, but that's what I was getting ready to say. The only exception might be like a Earl. rare blue chip level, single high prowler with sideline to sideline. But those things are unicorns. And it's yeah. been like Ed Reed, Earl Thomas at the height of his career, probably not anymore. Like you don't get those guys. Yeah. And with so much of the game being played in sub, you know, you'll see some big big nickels that step in for run defense on the B level of the defense. You see some teams that go for more coverage options, depending on how um, safeties can be more versatile. But I think as far as like pure volume or pure value and shutting down a single portion of the field and playing lockdown. And you got the ability to put clamps on guys in one on one, and they'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna play in your face, and I'm gonna man you up. And if I know I can eliminate you from the reads every single time and force the offense to immediately go read the other side of the field, even if you have a numbers advantage, because you're that elite and blue level at what you, or blue chip at what you do, I think that has the most value because it it really influences. At safety that plays deep over the top, you still have the full width of the field to work with. Corners cut out width of the field. You can't work with the entire field anymore. I think that's the biggest, the best, simplest way for me to put it. Serve up this paranormal fox. I want to go on record here. The Tyler Bass? Yeah. All right, here we go. Take. Joe buys a Tyler Bass jersey after he kicks the game winner against the 49ers in the Super Bowl. It doesn't have to be the 49ers. If Tyler Bass hits a game-winning kick in the Super Bowl, I promise you, I will buy his jersey. Will you ever take it off? I'm not going to include that as part of this because I'd like to stay married. But you have my word. I will get an authentic Tyler Bass jersey. Yeah, I want the stitching. stitched and everything. Yeah. Oh. I'm going to glue it to your body. If he hits a game-winning kick in the Super Bowl, yes. I think that's an automatic, like, if there was a dude that provided a game-winning play for your team in the Super Bowl, you're obligated to get that jersey, right? Right, and I haven't bought in a Bills jersey since C.J. Spiller. Oh, yeah, I'd probably stop (laughs) buying him, too. (laughs) Yeah, and it's 28. The guy changed his number the next year to 21. Mm, You got to have the jersey insurance. They have that these days. Um just don't buy jerseys of of players that are active. That's my yeah. new personal rule. Yeah. Except for you, except for if it's Tyler Bass and he hits a game winner. Where do you stand on the whole like grown men can't wear no jerseys? No. Thing? First of all, let people like things. People will be free. You will you will have a better quality of life if you just remind yourself that it's okay to let people like things. Don't be critical of them. <laughs> don't all agree on ever ever just every consumable just item. Like just let people like things. So if that's not for you, it's not for you. Move on with your life. If people want to wear jerseys of other grown men and that's what that's cool with them, do that. Mitch owned a Matt Castle jersey. What team? Uh, I'm assuming it's a, a Patriots jersey. No way. 
No way. Mitch, you need to tell us right now what team you're talking about here. Imagine. Let me go to the Chiefs to be the guy. It's got to be the Chiefs. Yeah, he did. It's got to be the Chiefs. And man. I think they they that didn't end well either. I don't What's think. the worst jersey you own besides Minka Fitzpatrick? Stinka. Um, you wore that crap in my house. I did. Toss that on. I'll never forget it. It's going Look, in the. Uh, I'm it's sitting going in this in, chair. You were in, in that this... love seat. I turn around and you got a damn Minka jersey on. Yeah, it was after Joke the Dolphins. You, brother. <laughs> it was after the Dolphins beat the Bills in uh, that was first time the they played in 28. It was. It absolutely was. You got up and went to the bathroom and came back out, and I had it on. Son I had it on bitch. call just in case. Um, yeah. So what's your worst one besides that? It might be Chad Henney, but, like, I played Oh, you were in. Yeah, I, no, I got it for Christmas, and I played high school ball with Chad Okay. Henney. So, like, right. he was a freshman, or I was a freshman his uh, senior year at high school. So, oh, Paranormal Fox already has an A.J. Epinesa jersey. I used uh, to buy the Bills' first pick every year, and it stopped with C.J. Spiller. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I got Ricky Williams for my birthday one year, and then he retired in bad. July. And then he retired in July. Oh, like he didn't – that was the first retirement? Yeah. Then he retired like, a couple times. Yeah, he retired in like 02, like the day before training camp started. And the Dolphins were like 19 and – I don't know. They went 10 and six and then nine and seven, like his two year first two years on the team. And he carried the ball like 900 times. Cause Dave Wanstat was like trying to run him in the ground. But the, I still think Ricky Williams from like a historical perspective is it's a respected. Dolphin, now, you know what I mean? It's yeah. accepted now, but like, imagine you're the dolphins and you trade like a one and a two and all the other shit that they traded for Ricky. He plays for you for two years and then retires. And you're like 12, right? It's 2002. Yeah. yeah. I still got that one upstairs somewhere floating around. I might have to break that one out on the show. <laughs> Are we done? Are we done here? I, I'm still, I'm not, I'm not satisfied with your bad Jersey purchases. Well, Mink is bad, right? And now like in all, all things considered, I just gave you Chad Henney and Ricky Williams. After you didn't retired. buy it. You got to buy it. You can't okay, just like the worst Jersey I bought. Oh, I know exactly what you're baiting on. No, I'm not. But now that it's in my head, this is also very good. <laughs> Go ahead, get it out there. I have the All picture. Right. All right. So I really like. I really liked Nelson Aguilar coming out of USC. You like, also really like whiskey. Yes, I do. So we went to a concert, me and my future wife, uh, at Lincoln Financial. Uh, it was what a summer was it, Kyle? Summer country concert. Kenny didn't, enjoy any, didn't enjoy any of the music. But. Luke Combs was there, brother. You knew you enjoyed. That's how. It. That's why I drank so hard. Okay. And I got plastered at the link and went into the fan store and bought a Nelson Aguilar jersey, impromptu drunk purchase on the spot. So you have Aguilar and you have Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah, those are my Golden. last two jersey purchases. <laughs> Don't buy but I'm another not one. satisfied with your bad jersey purchases. I am says. very I'm extremely Jackass. satisfied. Kyle, I say you order a Tua jersey right as soon as the show ends. Get a get a Tua. No, I thought about it. Oh, yeah, here we got one. Oh, Cam no. Webb bought a Malik McDowell jersey. Yeah, that's Never bad. played a snap. He that's was the bad. first pick for Seattle that year, right? We have to give Jeff Risden props, right? Yeah, Jeff said, yeah. Malik Jeff told us. Cut it. <laughs> Jeff Risden said when he was drafted, Malik McDowell will never play a snap in the NFL. Now, nobody – could have foreseen the fact that there was an ATV accident that Jeff totally lucked into it. 
Um, Stuck out with me. I was waiting for it. I was waiting to cash in on Jeff. Be like, oh, man, he played a snap. Didn't happen. Never happened. Now we done. You got what yeah. you wanted. Yeah. You got the satisfaction of outing the, the trunk Nelson Aguilar purchased two years ago. And it was when he was coming off like that really, or his best year. Mm-hmm. Cause like Philly fans hated Nelson. I think they did. And then, and then he had like a good season and then he went back and he was bad again. And like, that's when the videos came out of like the dude was talking about the, the burning house or whatever. And they were tossing stuff out the window or whatever. Uh, Mitch isn't convinced that CJ Spiller's your worst. My worst? Yeah. I think it is. I'm not a liar. I, I never bought any of those bad quarterbacks the Bills got. Um, Schobel, Eric Molds, Paul Pozlesny. I had Marshawn Lynch, Troy Vincent. Is that a bad Bills jersey purchase? Maybe a little bit. I got T.O., but, I mean, so That's should everybody. That's a bad one. No, T.O. is not a bad one. I knew it was one year. But Did I can get, get Terrell Owens on the Bills, brother. I was pumped. Did you get your tur- uh, your Antonio Brown? No. No. You want to know why? Because he never became a Bill. Uh, he was, though. He was for about three hours. It's the weirdest <laughs> three hours of my life. You went through, like, the full five stages of grief and then you excitement. To. You have to. In a very short amount of time. Listen, yeah. we're, we're done here. Yeah. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, thanks, as always, for tuning in to the Draft Dudes podcast. We did it live. Tonight, we do it live every Monday night at 8 o'clock. We do it every Thursday night live at 8 o'clock. YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, The Draft Network. Look it up. Check it out. Come on and see us. Thanks, as always, for watching. Thanks, as always, for listening. If you're catching this on Tuesday, why don't you come back and see us again sometime?